Greetings, people of Earth. This is the Kaiju Transmissions Podcast. This is your host, Kyle Bird, and I am accompanied by my friends uh, here. I got my co-host... Matt Parmley. Um, yeah. Welcome back, Matt. Uh, yeah. And, yeah, uh, of course, we, ha- we have, uh, one of, uh, one of our, our frequent guest hosts, we have, uh, we have Trev on the, on the horn. Hey, I'm always super excited to be here and see how smoothly the intros go. It's always my favorite part. Of uh, each they, episode. yeah, they're, they're never good. There's a guy down to a science. Uh, I, had a fr- I had a friend message me and tell me that one of our last episodes opened like a wet blanket, and I was like, "Yeah, you're not, you're not wrong." Uh, that happens um, a lot. I would, I would be interested to see which one was exceptionally bad. I mean, all of them are pretty bad. Yeah, <laughs> like the, the stick. <laughs> How many episodes are you guys up to? You haven't come up with like you know some kind of opening catchphrase or I've something. Asked- bird to do that and he's like nah that people don't care about it so i was like yeah i don't feel like fighting you on it uh, well <laughs> I, I, well maybe a catchphrase is a good idea like trev has uh greetings mutant brothers and sisters for uh See, days of future podcast i love that i've i brought this idea up trev you bring it up and bird's like that sounds like a great idea but <laughs> okay okay i didn't all right mom and dad stop fighting i didn't mean to come in and cause trouble <laughs> you never asked for a catchphrase Bird's gonna remember everything I've ever said, and he's gonna use it against me now. This is how the conversation goes. That's how, yeah, that's how things usually happen around here. Although I don't even know what a good catchphrase would be. Like, uh, are you ready to get? Let's get ready to crumble. No, well, at the beginning, yeah. you said like uh, greetings, people of Earth. You could, you know, greetings, people of Earth and beyond, or greetings, uh, all creatures, big and small. Since it's kaiju, I don't know. You know, I'm just spitballing, but. In five seconds, Trev gave us like twelve, and we can't think of one together. <laughs> <laughs> um, that just shows how uncreative we are. Yeah, yeah, it's true. <laughs> um, well, Trev's here, which means uh, nothing good. <laughs> that means something's gonna go down here, and that is. Uh, you know, you can often find Trev whenever we talk about uh, movies from the Asylum. Mm-hmm. The and you know what? And I'm not. I don't want to be quoted on this because I'm not sure how accurate it is. But in the last few years, like kaiju podcasts have popped up like everywhere. Like they're they're all over the place. They're a dime a dozen now, and I feel like the Asylum. You know, they release a lot of these giant monster movies, but I don't know of a lot of podcasts that cover them the way we do. That's something to be proud of, I think. Yeah. Because, you know what? Uh, The Asylum matters. Right? Uh, Hey, man, you're not going to hear any (laughs) disagreement from me. (laughs) I messaged you guys yesterday while watching this film that we're talking about today. Uh, You know, obviously, I was watching the film for prep, and I messaged you guys and told you that... I was watching the film, and about 10 minutes in or so, I looked down, and I was like, wait a minute, I'm wearing my Asylum shirt. 
<laughs> and that was not <laughs> planned. That was just a complete like coincidence. But uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, that's a good indication of why I'm here, but also why I agree that they they should be discussed yes, and talked about. We 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 are we are we are an asylum friendly podcast mm-hmm. out here. And uh, today we are going to talk about a movie called Ape vs. Monster. <laughs> uh, obviously, you know, the Asylum, one of their big things is the Mockbuster. Um, and this is obviously their uh, cash-in for Godzilla vs. Kong. Um, as far as the title goes, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's almost like they were just like, why bother calling it like... <laughs> Yeah, even by their standards, this one was pretty like, <laughs> like first draft. Like, let's just go to lunch, guys. We got it. Um, and uh, so yeah, and I I remember hearing about this movie probably around the time King of the Monsters came out. Uh, yeah, but my my guess is it was probably pushed back because Godzilla vs Kong was pushed back. Um. And then yeah, I, I it was it, it just kind of like came out of nowhere within like a month. They're like, here's the trailer, and here's the movie, and it just it is out now. Um, so was this always intended? So in your as far as you know, this was always intended to be for Godzilla vs Kong. Because the one thought I was kind of curious about, because you said how it was announced a while ago, was whether this was originally like a rampage one that they they just held on to. That's possible too, and I, and I mean I wouldn't be surprised because the plot wise, this is definitely a little bit <laughs> has more mm-hmm. in common with rampage for sure. Yeah, but it might have been one where you know they maybe had something and then they. Uh, they, they they were like, oh, well, Godzilla vs. Kong is coming up, so, you know, hold on to it. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Ape vs. Monster. I, I have a couple things. Um, the screenwriter uh, by the name of George Michael Phillips did an interview with uh, Rue Morgue. This is from Rue Morgue. Um, and uh, he said... The Asylum reached out to him, and uh, he said it was a classic Asylum proposition. We need something like a Kong versus something kind of thing. Can you do it? Um, And he said he's actually a lifelong King Kong fan, and uh, he had a concept for an old video game about an enraged, enraged space chimps returning to Earth. (laughs) And then he mixed in uh, a little bit of Konga and... Um, he came up with the title Astro Ape versus Super Scorpion. <laughs> uh, and then, um, he, he, uh, which was supposed to be like a homage to the Black Scorpion. Um, but then, um, it, he said ultimately it was swapped for a giant Gila monster in a last minute rewrite in order to get something visually closer to Godzilla. Um, uh, but he said that uh, he grew up watching the 50s uh, monster movies, and that's why, like, at the end, it's uh, the climax in Washington, because uh, he loved the endings of The Deadly Mantis and Earth versus the fl- uh, Flying Saucers. Um, so, yeah, we could have got Astro Ape versus Super Scorpion. I mean, definitely a better title. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so uh, we mentioned Rampage, um, and this is definitely 
<laughs> a rampage adjacent plot line. Um, did we did we agree to nominate Trev to give us a, a breakdown <laughs> I'll, of this? I'll, I'll give yeah. it the old, I'll give it the old college go. Um, so I don't. This is I'm not going to get super in depth on this. I'm just going to kind of talk in broad strokes, which I think was their approach to making the film as well. Um, <laughs> so we we start with um, uh, a space capsule, which we see um, hurtling through space, and it almost hits the International Space Station. Uh, so it's being tracked by the U.S. government, and it eventually lands in the New Mexico desert. And there's this kind of emergency meeting to kind of try and figure out what this what this you know is. Is it a meteor? Uh, is it some kind of you know alien vessel? But what they learn is it's actually a capsule known as the ELBE, uh, which was uh, part of a. Oh boy, I, I wrote that <laughs> down, but I didn't write what it stands for. <laughs> that was whoops. Well, we'll figure it out maybe as we talk. But the ELBE was essentially. Um, a probe that was sent up by the U.S. and the Soviet Union working together in the 80s. Uh, the idea that perhaps if two, the two countries working together discovered extraterrestrial life out in space, um, that might end the Cold War. How does that work? Whatever. Anyways, they sent it up there with a, uh, a young chimpanzee named Abraham in the vessel. But they lost contact with the ELB uh, in 2007. And so now, uh, you know, they just kind of gave up on the project, weren't thinking much about it. And now it has come back to Earth. So our main character is a, a, a young scientist named Dr. Linda Murphy. And she kind of takes it upon herself. She knows of this project and she takes it upon herself to say, well, we need to figure out, like, you know, there was this there was this chimpanzee in there. I'm sure he's dead. Obviously, we haven't had contact with it since 2007, but we should go, you know, uh, check out the, the wreckage and see what's going on. She goes with a group of soldiers, including um, General Reynolds, who's one of my favorite supporting characters in this, uh, and they go and approach the ELBE. Um, uh, the chimpanzee is, is not uh, in it, but it is covered in some kind of strange glowing green liquid. It looks very much like the reagent from the reanimator films, and I got very excited for a split second. Suddenly, they are attacked by Abraham, who is now much, much larger uh, they managed to, uh, he, unfortunately, it does kill Reynolds. Reynolds does not last very long. Um, but they managed to subdue the, um, or, or sorry, they uh, get kind of taken out by the chimpanzee. But somebody manages to, to subdue the chimpanzee, Abraham, the larger chimpanzee. When Dr. Murphy wakes up, she learns that the person who subdued it was a, uh, a former uh, classmate of hers from Oxford and somebody she has a prior relationship with, a Russian scientist named Eva. And Eva is, uh, has works for the Russian government now. And so she is kind of, you know, <clears throat> on the Russian side of this equation. And they have both agreed to work together to figure out what has happened to Abraham. Why is he larger? And they uh, take him to a special facility, uh, put him in restraints, and decide to study him. And this kind of gets into your typical now... Uh, they are they are both proponents of you know uh, treating Abraham well, figuring out what is happening to him, and the government being very kind of nervous about this, as um, represented by uh, the great Eric Roberts as National Security Advisor Ethan Marcos, who is uh, <laughs> well, we'll have a lot to say about Eric Roberts, I believe. Uh, so that as uh, when they leave the desert though and take Abraham back to their government facility. We do see a Gila monster in the desert, as Bird was alluding to a moment ago, uh, lapping up some of the green glowing liquid. And of course, that's going to come into play because now the Gila monster starts to grow large as well. And it starts making its way towards a, towards cities. Uh, and obviously, this is a problem. It, uh, you know, it ends up like hitting a train at one point and obviously causing destruction. And so they're trying to stop this Gila monster at the same time. Abraham keeps getting free of his restraints, seems to be, you know, growing larger. 
I don't know why. There's some twists and turns there with Eva and, uh, you know, some betrayal. Uh, like I said, I'm going to kind of, I'm still painting in broad strokes uh, rather than try to give this like a beat by beat detail. But what we eventually do come to learn is that this liquid that has caused this is in fact an alien liquid. And in fact, there is a UFO that is within the Earth's orbit, and it is beaming some sort of signal to the Earth that is using the liquid that is now within these creatures to control them. And it is essentially, well, I was actually a little hazy on this. I'll ask Bert, uh, Bert and Matt, uh, were they trying to make these monsters fight? Were they just trying to use them for overall destruction? I don't know, but the aliens are certainly <laughs> controlling both of them. And this is a problem. And so the military, uh, Eric Roberts and another general, they decide, well, we're just going to take them out because they eventually make their way to Washington, D.C., which is where the big climax of this film is. Um, but Dr. Murphy still wants to, she doesn't really care about the Gila monster because Gila monsters aren't as cute as chimpanzees, but she definitely wants to protect Abraham and she's trying to advocate, no, 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 we can't destroy him. We, we need to stop him from being controlled by the aliens. And working together with her, um, her, you know, her father comes back in her life, who she lost contact with. He was part of this project, the ELBE project, a long time ago, and she hasn't seen him in decades. Uh, but he comes back and says, you know, if we, if we use this, um, this transmitter, we can break the signal and get control of, or you know, free Abraham from the control of the aliens, and maybe we can get him to help us with the Gila monster, and then just, you know, everything will be fine. So her and her colleague go to Washington D.C. to try and do that. Mayhem ensues. Uh, we get the the giant, incredible, spectacular battle between ape versus monster. Um, as I said, there's some there's some uh, storylines, and I want to talk about this a little bit uh, more in detail when we talk about what I, what we liked and didn't like about the film. But there's a whole like subplot with Eva and Murphy and their kind of past relationship and and Eva's you know true motivations <laughs> and where that all heads. Uh, but yeah, that's that's the basic broad strokes of ape versus monster <laughs> at least as much as i can remember it one, one thing you forgot yeah. to mention is uh the the elb program was created by george bush and oh yeah and putin, and yeah, putin. Right. yeah before they were in office in secret because they thought if they could make first contact with aliens it would end the cold war I'm surprised I forgot that because they do mention it a few times they say like <laughs> this was the bush, the dream of bush and putin <laughs> 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 it was a weird real life thing to insert into the, into the story. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's plenty of other stuff I forgot. This was like this was like a surprisingly hard one to try and like. I don't want to say it's complicated, but it's throwing a lot at you uh, because since there's so little screen time devoted to ape versus monster, <laughs> there's instead a lot of screen time devoted to exposition and just talking. And it's all uh, it's all it's always like. It, it's all like crazy stuff too it's yeah, yeah. <laughs> like every every new piece of exposition or whatever like uh it's what it's probably like in the third act that they reveal that there's actually like aliens like on yeah. their way to earth yeah, yeah. <laughs> not just like it it it's it, it's 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 something mm-hmm. um but yeah, there's a lot of uh, strange <laughs> kind of WTF moments here. Um, but uh, well, you know, I'm I'm sure we'll 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 kind of get into those things. But uh, um, so uh, well, I guess we'll kind of just give our our uh, our first impressions <laughs> of Eight versus Monster. 
Um, Trev, we'll start with you uh, as the uh, proud owner of an Asylum um, Mm t-shirt and someone who has watched many of these, usually with me. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And hopefully usually with like beer or something. This one I just watched sober because I knew I had to talk about it. But, um, you know, I'll I'll say I wouldn't put this on like the higher end of like the Asylum. Um, But that's not to say I didn't enjoy it. I, I think this movie has its charms. If you are going into it knowing what it is, I mean, I think it's it's a fun bad movie for sure. But I don't know that it ultimately lived up to what I wanted it to be, even in that even in that regard fully. Um, and especially because, as I said, I just wish there was more of ape versus monster. And mm. I'm, not to not that that stuff like looks great or anything, but that's the <laughs> point. Like it's it's so corny that that's like the funniest stuff in the movie. And you definitely <clears throat> wish there was more of it. But I mean, you know, for just a like a good bad movie, if you're into that, I think, you know, I watched this by myself as I, as I know we all did. I think if the three of us had been together watching this, or like you know we're all the big group of people, I think there's definitely some some joys to be had with how strange some of these performances are, how dumb the dialogue is, um, as Bird was saying, how crazy some of the story decisions are. So I mean, there's better asylum movies, there's better bad movies, but I didn't I didn't hate watching this. I, mm-hmm. I think it's. It is. It's just kind of. It is what it is. It's not as good as I wanted it to be. Not as good as the trailer made me think it would be. But uh, yeah, you know, it's whatever. definitely better than <laughs> uh, the the what Monster Island that was. Oh yeah, the, yeah, yeah. I the like King of the Monsters mockbuster, yeah. which also had Eric Roberts. But yeah. this is like a, a definite step up. I would. Yeah, yeah. I would pretty <laughs> much agree with you. Like, I don't know. We've we've between the two of us, we've probably seen like. Probably at least like a third of their catalog, right? We've yeah. seen oh, a lot yeah. of a asylum lot. stuff, um, and uh, t- for me, the asylum works. Okay, so there, there's some stuff like I barely remember it. You probably don't remember it at all, mm-hmm. but like, re- like that the that Thor movie they made that we watched, mm-hmm. where it was like that's like one of the worst, still one of like the worst movies I've ever seen. And then <laughs> and then on the where it, it's just like nothing happens it's so low budget that they can't deliver any kind of cool like action or fun sequences but then also like the story isn't like crazy enough to be worth anything but then on the other on the other side of that you have like the sharknado sequels which which leans so much into like being like bad that it it it's like a farce. Now, my favorite asylum yeah. stuff is like the stuff that falls right in the middle, like where it's not an out and out like Sharknado Five, where it's just like h- how ironic and dumb can we be? And it's not like completely like so. It's it's not like that Thor movie where it's just completely boring. It's something where like. There, there's a little bit of earnestness, but it, there, it's, it also knows that it's a B movie made for like pennies. Um, so that's that's where you have stuff like Bigfoot, um, some of the Mega Shark movies, uh, Two Headed Shark Attack. Yeah, yeah, Two Headed Shark Attack, Mega Piranha. Um, of course, the all-time greatest Asylum movie that transcends into just being a work of art, which is air collision. Um, and, uh, airplane versus volcano. That's another great one with another great, (laughs) great title. 
Um, Based on the true story. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, and th- this falls... This this kind of falls more in there. Where it, it wouldn't make, like, my... A lot of the titles I said would probably make, like, if I had to do, like, a top ten asylums. But this could this could easily maybe f- go into a, a top 15, top 20. Um, so it, it, it is more of the asylum that I like than, you know, um, some of the other stuff that we've watched. Yeah, I think you're right. I think their sweet spot is when they... Um, are not like winking at you incessantly, but definitely know what the movie is and are having a little bit of fun. Um, and this one seems to fall more into that. And because they they still do, they haven't, they've never like consistently picked a, a side on this battle. Um, they kind of still go back and forth. But yeah, there's some where you can tell they're they're trying a little harder to make like a real movie, which they never really have the resources to do. And it, those ones feel like they're trying more to fool like an international market and make like what could be looked at as like a, an actual like action fantasy movie or something. And then when they have a little bit, when they're a little bit more tongue in cheek, it's, it's usually better. And I think this one definitely seems like it knows what it is. Yeah. Like, uh, this one has more of a balance between, between that. And that's, you know, that, but it's stuff like like my favorite of like I've seen all of them. My favorite Sharknado movie is still the first one. Like, yeah, I don't like. Um, I like the. I mean, I, I like the whole series. I but I know what you mean about how as it went on, it was just you know it became Naked Gun essentially, and like their version of Naked Gun, right? It was just nothing but like goofy, way over the top, meta kind of humor. And uh, yeah, so I know yeah. what you mean. Um, but. Uh, <clears throat> but yeah, so I, I'm I'm with you, and this is this is probably one of the more, uh, I guess, in the grand scheme of all things, Asylum. It is it's probably closer to the you know being with with some of the the better ones. But uh, I'll go with I'll go with uh, someone who's still, even after all these years and all the things I've made him uh, watch from the asylum i would say it's still a little bit more of an asylum novice so i'm gonna let matt kind of talk about what he thought of of ape versus monster um i I, i'm right there with both of you in that it was it was i thought it was very okay there's moments where i was a little bored Mm -hmm. and there's some really fun character choice well fun just like dumb but like amusing character choices and little quirks that they kind of throw in and I laughed hysterically about how they resolve the alien problem at the end of the film, (laughs) which we'll talk about, I'm sure. But like, there's just really weird choices in it. Um, Also, somebody, because this is what Godzilla fans do, I guess, they they care about how much monster footage is in a given, you know, Godzilla movie. Somebody went out and actually put together a clip show of all the the monster scenes. And there's a a little under three minutes, I think, (laughs) of total monster, monster scenes, which I think brings me to... The biggest problem with the film is exactly what Trev said. It was, it, it focused so much on the humans and forgot about the monsters. And like, there's a, there's a, the, the battle sequence often is being viewed from like this rooftop or like this garage or something. And all you see these random, the same two explosions superimposed <laughs> in different places. <laughs> and, and I wish like, and like at, at one point, like it's funny, and then they just keep going back to it. And you're like, okay, this is. I, I get yeah, it. You made this for three cents, but yeah, they keep telling us about all the destruction these monsters are causing in Washington D.C., and we never see any of that. And in fact, the only destruction of Washington D.C. we get is when the military accidentally blows up the Washington Monument. Uh, you know what? I I I was actually just thinking now. 
because uh <clears throat> trev you weren't on this episode that we did uh a month or so ago, well, I guess maybe a little over a month, where we we were talking, we we did one where we talked about a whole bunch of Kong ripoff movies, and we we talked about Bigfoot, and our friend Kevin that was doing it with us was saying like how, <laughs> I mean, I always think it's funny when they do this, but uh, he was talking about how he was getting frustrated by how often they just repeated the same animations of the Bigfoot, <laughs> like <laughs> running or, or throwing something or doing something. And I, you know, I wonder if for whatever, I mean, I, I think it's, I, I like when they do that. I, I think yeah, it's I think funny. It's funny. They're, 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 they definitely do that in this one, too. There's like yeah. that one like uh, animation of uh, Abraham that they use like in different settings where he's kind of just standing up beating his chest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, I wonder if they were maybe trying to cut down on, the, on, on things like that and maybe not be so o- obvious <laughs> about it. Um, which, if that's the case, I would tell the asylum... Uh, you don't need to don't worry about it okay like you you have no shame well your bigfoot comparison too like that was my other thought was i I wanted this to be more in the vein of how stupid and absurd bigfoot was well bigfoot bigfoot is on bigfoot's probably like that's like top tier asylum yeah that's that's probably i mean of the ones i've seen and i i need to watch air collision because i've heard nothing but awesome things about it but like it's my favorite of the ones that i've seen this one at times banters on like taking it a bit too serious, and then you get like a general that randomly throws in a southern accent from yesteryear, and like that guy's just, great, by the way. Yeah, uh, <laughs> so there, there's some fun stuff in it, but I just kind of found myself a little bored at times, and the fun stuff wasn't so fun that I'd be like, oh, this is this was worth watching. But if you had a communal setting, right, you had a bunch of friends over or whatever, I do think that would have been a fun experience. I, yeah, yeah I, so. I mean. As a, a a more seasoned asylum fan, like you know, I go into any asylum movie thinking like, okay, there's probably going to be uh, some stretches where I'm going to be pretty bored. You know, I mean, like I I I know not to expect a whole lot of monster, but so watching it by myself, I was able to kind of like process that. But I yeah, I bet most people listening to this, if you get a group of friends together and watch it, like I can, I almost guarantee you that you'd have a good time. Yeah. It seems to be a movie that's, I mean, I don't know, you know, the asylum's been around for a long time at this point, and their their name is made, right? Like, they, at this point, they are probably primarily making movies for asylum fans. I don't know how much the overall model of business or their business model anymore is trying to fool people into, like, accidentally renting these. Because, you know, we've talked about this, Bird, how we're kind of, I'm kind of confused by the asylum nowadays or just kind of... Um, I, I very, uh, I very much wonder what their business model is in that re- degree because you don't have video stores really anymore for them to have these on the shelf and trick people into renting them, and they don't really show on Sci-Fi channels them as much as they used to. I was actually kind of curious about that. I haven't really, you know, I don't really pay much attention to cable anymore, so I was like, well, I wonder if these Asylum movies are still like, you know, debuting on Saturday night on Sci-Fi Channel because that's how I, you know, certainly would always associate them in the past. And I looked it up, and like the Sci-Fi Channel now on Saturday nights shows like the born ultimatum or like you know it's it's like it's not they're not showing like these dumb b movies anymore or at least not the, the, the couple of weeks i checked and i noticed that at like 3 a.m or 4 a.m they might have like an asylum movie on but they don't seem to be like the you know uh, giving them like a lot of attention anymore so the point i'm trying to make is if they're making movies only for their fans now this is this seems like one where i don't want to say they didn't try but i think they're more willing to lean into well let's just make the movie kind of goofy and not you know not really 
make like a real ape versus monster kind of giant kaiju movie because that's not what people are probably coming to this for whereas i think older asylum films like back in the transmorphers days were trying a little harder to be like real kind of action movies does that make sense mm-hmm. like I, I think they're at this point they're just like yeah whatever we people know it's going to be a bunch of people sitting in a room talking so let's just try to make the characters at least kind of funny or i think they're leaning into that more yeah they're they're probably i don't know how i mean sharknado's over and like you said with the rental market you know going down i don't know if they have as much money as maybe they used to which already was barely like i don't know the Everett asylum movie is like i want to say it's less than like half a million like it's almost like the 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 dialogue of people just sitting around talking, they almost know that that's where, like, they have to try to make it entertaining. So it's like, they just say wild, crazy things, and every, like, 20 minutes there's some crazy revelation or something Mm -hmm. that comes in some exposition dump. Yeah, I think it's probably safe to say that, like, the Asylum's, like, heyday is probably behind them. I hate to say that, but, I mean, even if you go to their website now, you'll notice that, like, there's certain areas of it that just don't seem to be really updated anymore. (laughs) You know, it's, like, their, like, news section. It's, like, stories from, like, 2019 um, and, like, reviews of movies from then. (laughs) And it's just, like, they're I don't know that they're – they're obviously still cranking stuff out. But, yeah, I I think – I feel like we're seeing less films from them every year. And I think that probably is just an indication of without a video market um, and without, you know, uh, much attention paid to like cable TV, there are not as many eyes are on them. So I think they're probably a little bit more selective about what they do. And they, as I said, they're probably picking things that they know will speak specifically to the people who just want to check out a dumb asylum movie. Yeah. Um, So yeah, we mentioned uh like just crazy crazy <laughs> moments and <laughs> there's I mean it, it, it's kind of like what we were saying even some of the dialogue is crazy. Um uh we have uh I don't I don't even know where 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 we want to start with <laughs> with some of this stuff. Um I have an amazing fact for you guys. <laughs> yeah, so was I, just... I I I think I'm about to blow your mind. So we were talking about like performances, and Matt mentioned accents. So yeah. <laughs> I, I, you guys probably aren't going to believe this, but I looked up the actress that plays uh, Eva, the Russian lady. Would you believe that she's not actually Russian? <laughs> yes, I, I would. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> I, I, she, she's, I thought maybe she fooled you. But, she uh, is she's, like uh, she's uh, from New York. So. Is, is it New York? Okay, yeah. I um, for whatever reason, I I thought. I mean, maybe there is. I thought there was one of these people with fake Russian accents that was. <laughs> um like from some other european <laughs> well she it says her imdb says she's of german descent but was born in rochester ah, okay. new york okay. and, and grew up in new york yeah um yeah she's she she her accent because it's obviously a fake accent but it fluctuates just like what kind of accent like it's <laughs> at some points it sounds like she has like a, a like a spanish accent almost yeah, she's typically doing like Natasha from Boris and Natasha. Yeah, but, yeah. But it definitely slips uh, occasionally. Uh, because, and so I don't forget to say it though. I don't know if, if you two guys like clocked it all, but there was a part of me that like throughout the film was kind of like consistently, not consistently, but there was definitely a few times where I was kind of impressed that they seemed to be moving, like doing like a. Um, you know, a same sex like romance with her and Murphy. Like, I thought I the like... same thing. Actually. And then, but then yeah. they went, but then it was just like typical Hollywood to where they like never really committed to it. And I was like, oh man, even the asylum does that. Like, even they can't like 
what is this Disney? They can't they're gonna hint at it, but they can't pay off on it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I was, I was kind of thinking that too. They, there's definitely some things about them that you could say are, are what queer coded, I guess. Mm -hmm. For sure. Um, Yeah. Their whole background seems to be hinting at that. And yeah. Um, uh, (laughs) speaking of Russian accents, you know, who was awesome was the, I don't know what he's supposed to be. The Russian He's basically Skyping into the Pentagon every five minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, from his bedroom, no less. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't, it, it really doesn't look like they try, like, it, I, I would be very surprised if that wasn't just, like, a room in that actor's house. <laughs> and he he literally <laughs> does his whole whole role via via zoom <laughs> um but yeah his accent is is horrible too um i i was getting a kick out of that guy too because like i don't know how i don't know what how i don't know let's just say theoretically the movie takes place over the span of like a week two weeks or something like every time that guy calls in he's wearing, he's wearing the same clothes <laughs> he's in the same well, that's def- i mean that's true of eric roberts as well he's, he's yeah kind of in like the one suit and yeah were you surprised that eric roberts was just in that one room the whole time no so i mean in fact you and i like we made this joke before actually so bird and i are very we're like experts in one room asylum performances because obviously a big thing with the asylum is you get like you know one kind of name actor maybe two for like the some of the bigger asylum films but you know you want an above the title actor and it's usually someone like you know like a barry bostwick or uh, robert davi or somebody you know and you get these kind of older actors who had a name at some point and uh bird and i've often laughed at how it's usually just all their scenes are in one boardroom or one office <laughs> yeah and you know that they had them for an afternoon and uh and that's obviously the case with eric roberts here and in fact i guarantee it is so if you guys can indulge me again eric roberts like there's no doubt that he filmed this entire like all of his pieces in like one day. And how I know that to be the fact is this is a guy that just never stops working. So guys, just give me a minute here. I want to read to you. I'm on his IMDb right now. And I'm going to read you every Eric Roberts movie that is currently in post-production. All right. So these are movies that he has filmed and are like being edited and getting ready for release. You guys ready for this? (laughs) These are all post-production Eric Roberts movies. Mommy's Deadly Con Artist, After Masks, Alien Vampire Busters, Dante's Hell, The Surprise Visit, the Rideshare Killer, The Elevator, Saraghetto, Sally Floss Digital Detec- Detective, Ojai, Greater Peace of Mind, 616 Wilford Lane, Survivor's Choice, The Private Eye, The Last Saturday Night, a short film called The Fusion, Terror of the Soul, Sallywood, Running with Fear, No More Goodbyes, a short film called Night, My Redneck Neighbor, Monsters of Mulberry Street, Lumina, Insight, Heavy Metal, Exposure, Exceptional Beings, a short film called Andronicus, and Eight Days to Hell. Those are all that's, currently in post-production. That's like 30 <laughs> movies. <laughs> oh my God. And then because I value our time, I won't read you all the ones that are currently filming and in pre-production, <laughs> which is even more. So, uh, yeah. That's a guy who keeps himself busy and, and more power to him. Um, but, yeah, you know, I mean, he was definitely he was definitely a highlight of this film as well. I mean, I did enjoy him in this. You never know what you're going to get with an Eric Roberts. Like, sometimes he comes and just doesn't care at all. But this one, 
he was definitely, I think, having a little bit of fun. And Bird, you mentioned you told me to watch his performance and see how sometimes it seemed like even he was kind of laughing at it. And I definitely picked up on that, too. I, yeah. I, I think he was like kind of having a good time with this. Yeah. And, and he was in the that Monster Island one, too. And that's one where, you know, he just he, he just seemed like he just walked and walked out of it. Uh, woke up and walked out of his trailer. <laughs> yeah, he he definitely is a little more lively. Um, uh, yeah, no, there's one scene where it's towards the end where the 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 general with the crazy accent is talking about uh, like killing the monsters and Eric Roberts. You can see him standing in the background, and I swear to God, it looks like he's like it looks like he's <laughs> it looks like he's laughing. Um, yeah, well, like when his character has like that inexplicable change of heart at the end too, and just like changes his entire perspective for no reason, like it's just <laughs> so ridiculous that I think you can even see like Eric Roberts is just like, yeah, whatever, <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'll just I'll just go with this. Um, I also liked like a fun game I was playing was every time they were in a scene in that boardroom and the camera was behind the Eric Roberts character, I just knew that wasn't really Eric Roberts, <laughs> you know? It's like some guy with gray hair with a suit on, and it's like, they only had him available for, like, you know, probably three hours, so they didn't waste any time with, like, behind coverage on him. I love how any time an Asylum movie needs scenes at the Pentagon, they just, like, rent out, like, a, a free office... Oh, it's, it's not. Like, they're, they're not renting anything. That's an office like at their at their building. Remember, there was that one uh, room bird that we saw in like thirteen different asylum movies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like the room that's like uh, they they like go to it in Air Collision, and then it's like it was in a few others yeah. we watched. And we're just uh, yeah, like, I oh, think that's it's definitely like, yeah, in their it's building. In, I think it's in Three Musketeers also. Yeah. Um, people listening to this are wondering why we know so much about the asylum. <laughs> we weren't kidding it. when we said we watch a lot of these. Yeah, the, and uh, yeah, this one made me laugh because, like, yeah, it's just this empty office space that they, like, threw some desks and tables in, and then, so you know it's the Pentagon, there's, um, like, a projection screen with, that has, like, on an overhead projector, like, that Terrible says, like, quality. <laughs> yeah, it says, like, the Pentagon or something. Um, why Why was that room, like, on fire, like, the first couple times they went to it? Why was it, like, co- like the, the room was, like, just so smoky, like, whenever they, like, went there and they were, like, having meetings? Did you guys notice that? Uh, I was trying to look if someone was, like, supposed to be smoking a cigar or something, but I didn't see that, but it was just, like, there was, like, it was, like, a very hazy room. I don't know. Um, uh, what'd you think of the, uh, the guy that plays, uh, the the girl's dad the guy in the wheelchair uh, <laughs> uh, another another interesting performance matt go ahead i, I wanted him to die honestly. <laughs> <laughs> like i was hoping they made him set like uh, i wanted there to be i don't know like he was he was portrayed as such like this douche nozzle father that by the end of the movie when like everything is fine now and the relationship is totally good. It was like, really couldn't he like, like stepped on or something. I don't know. Um, I, I, I noticed he kept calling her my daughter and I don't know <laughs> that it, it, that's one of those things with like the dialogue where I don't know, like I don't think anyone actually talks like that. So it, it's like how a robot would like write. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and, like, their whole, like, backstory was, like, very confusing to me. Now, again, I know I'm getting into the kind of questions you're just not supposed to ask when you're thinking about a film like this, but... I, if she, okay, so this movie, I would assume, is taking place now, right? Like, I would have to imagine it's, like, taking place in 2020 or 2021. And they say that Abraham, 
was sent up in the Elbe in 1985. But then they're talking about how like she grew up with Abraham. I mean, there's no way she's like 40 years old. Like she's like she like Murphy looks like she's like you know in her mid 30s. I just like the timing does not work out. Like she was like she would have had to be like a toddler when they shot that space or when they shot that probe up into space. So I don't know how she remembers Abraham at all and has like any kind of relationship <laughs> with him. Spe- speaking of, there's one part that I thought was weird. Um, it's it's another exposition scene, and it's uh, it's one of the first scenes that her and and her her dad are together. And he he tells this story about how when she was little, he brought her to work, and she started crawling all over a computer or a console. And he says that she almost started World War Three. I yeah. (laughs) So about that, but yes. So like, was she near like nuke launch buttons? (laughs) Why why was a toddler like why was a toddler allowed to to be crawling around on a console that can like end the world? And they tell that story like it's just such like a funny memory too. Yeah, oh, <laughs> it's, it's so like... adorable. Yeah, it's... <laughs> uh, <sighs> um, we definitely need to talk about the uh, the general. Uh, I don't know because I mean, so first of all, like there's a couple good there's a couple good generals in this because like I said, the so General Reynolds, the one with the beard who gets killed pretty early, I loved him right away. Like he's like that's a good asylum actor, you know. I, I think and I looked him up and I think this is like the only thing he's in. But <laughs> he was just like he was pretty ridiculous right off the bat. And then yeah, like the general who replaces him is like insane. Uh, I don't know, like all the all the generals in this are just like something special. The the bearded of- general is that the one that's smoking a cigar indoors in the middle of the Pentagon. Okay, so if he is, then he's the reason that room is so smoky. Yeah, he's the one who's like just there at the beginning, and then like they—he's the one who gets killed first when they go to like the the probe. Yeah, I don't—I don't know why. I feel like the Pentagon probably wouldn't allow people to just smoke cigars in their meetings. Um, uh, but yeah, no the the guy that replaced the the replacement general with the uh, the southern accent. <laughs> I you know I don't know who this actor is. I don't really know what he's doing, but uh, I could not take my eyes off of him. He, it was like they told him. They were like, they were like, well, how do you? What do you want me to say this? Or how do you want me to deliver this line? He's like, well, I just remember the movie Glory. Just p- pick any one of those generals and talk like them for the entire movie, <laughs> and that's what he did. And I mean, not his dialogue's insane. First of all, what's the? There was the part that I sent you guys that where he was like, he as soon as that salamander shows his skin, he's gonna be guacamole. Um, which Did I've never. Write, <laughs> I've never. Did anybody heard, happen to write down like what he said when like the Washington Monument fell on him? Oh God, it, uh. it, it's a ridiculous that that seems ridiculous. But he says. Uh, I mean, he's saying a lot of typical like monster movie general guys, where he's just like, "Kill that damn thing, kill the, kill that monkey." But he does say something like, "Says something like jumping Jehoshaphat or something." Like, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's like he something, says, yeah, he says something that's it's like Yosemite Sam adjacent <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> dialogue. Which, by the way, that part's great too because it's uh, there's some transmitter. And Abraham is uh, climbing up the Washington Monument, and he's, like, trying to shoot him down. Well, first of all, him and his, he's standing, like, right under the Washington Monument. <laughs> and secondly, whoever he told to shoot 
the ape missed like horribly <laughs> like didn't even yeah. come close to to, sh- to hitting him and yeah the not even, like not even a, not even a second thought about like should we fire on the washington monument like that you know and <laughs> while we're standing yeah, like, right under it yeah right? and that guy just like aims for the middle of it <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, that guy was certainly amazing. I mean, I would watch a whole movie of just that guy and Eric Roberts, like, mm-hmm. talking in that room. <laughs> um, I also liked, um, I mean, not, uh, performance doesn't really matter, but in terms of things that just make no sense, whenever they cut back to the other uh, female Russian scientist, the blonde one, who just for no reason is constantly wearing, like, a face shield, like, wherever <laughs> yeah, she's yeah. at. And I couldn't figure out why, because no one else is wearing any kind of protective gear, and there's no insinuation given that, like, nobody thinks there's, like, any kind of contagious disease with Abraham, um, but she's just always wearing a face shield. I liked that little detail. Um, also, did you guys notice how Abraham's... Not since not since Mighty Peking Man have I watched a movie with a more inconsistently sized uh, ape. It's like... <laughs> Abraham's size, especially when they have him inside the facility, just seems like it's constantly different. Like, there's moments where he's like banging up against the door, and the hand silhouette that they that we see banging up against the door doesn't look that much bigger than like a regular like chimpanzee. And then they'll cut to the room, and he's like gigantic. The, there's also a part where it, lo- it looks like they have like a prop hand. Yeah. Um, uh, when they when she gives him like the stuffed animal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that also looks completely different. From, yeah. <laughs> from anything else. Um. There was also, like, uh, speaking of the general, there were also a lot of those parts where he's, uh, he he says, like, really sexist stuff to her, which I don't, I don't think you're allowed to say if you're, if you're a general, I don't think you can say those things anymore. Like, he's, he's one of those, like, ooh, what's a girl doing, uh, (laughs) doing all this stuff? Um... Also, there's there's a few times where he picks up. Uh, it's like a red telephone, you know, when he has to like call in an order or whatever. And I swear, it's it's just the same shot of a hand picking up the phone every time. <clears throat> and if we're talking about like weird dialogue, I, I messaged you guys one of my favorite things while I was watching the movie when they're in a helicopter and they say something about pulling over. Which I just thought was like, what is who pull? You don't pull over a helicopter. <laughs> Um, there's also, uh, let's, what's another, oh, that, another part that I, like, I, I watched twice, just because I, it was so funny, was, um, I think it's the, f- I think it's the first guy that gets killed by the Gila monster, but it's at night, and it's like, he's going to investigate the, 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 the yeah, crash he's like, site he's like the guard yeah there. yeah and and yeah. for whatever reason he's like talking to someone on a walkie-talkie and it's all adr'd which means it was like he's not actually saying anything it's all like <laughs> yeah. dialogue that's dubbed over later and it, it just was so weird because a there's no reason that scene even needed any dialogue and b it's like they they didn't even bother to try to like find shots where maybe his mouth is moving or anything like that they just kind of have a guy walking around and having a conversation with someone for no reason dude there was a weird thing i don't know if this is like indicative of them like like being like let's just film stuff and then we'll figure out like the dialogue later but i don't know if you guys picked up on this if you ever do rewatch this again there's like a good 
five minute chunk of this movie. It's in the it's it, it's in the last act. It's when her and her um, partner are up on the top of the parking uh, garage, you know, working in that van to get that other transmitter going. But they're like cutting between them. They're cutting between Eric Roberts. They're cutting between the general, uh, her dad. And like every bit of dialogue you hear is like not. I'm trying to think how to say this. You never see anybody's mouth move. It shows the character and then it cuts to something else going on. And then you hear them 80 yard over that moment. And like for five minutes, every bit of dialogue is put over <laughs> other kinds of footage and you don't see anybody actually speak. And I was like, what is going on? Like they didn't film any covers of these actors saying anything. And now they're just adding all of it in afterwards. It was bizarre. Uh, but that also reminded me, Bert, because you brought up that guy um, guarding the, um, the probe. And that just reminded me of another uh, favorite character of mine who's in it very briefly, but I love him. And that is the flamethrower soldier. Oh, yeah. I had this oh, guy yeah. as a guy I wanted to talk. The flamethrower guy is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, first, of- <laughs> first of all, I don't know. Look, I'm not like super educated. <laughs> I know what you're about to say. <laughs> I'm not super educated on flamethrowers. <laughs> okay. But whatever, <laughs> whatever he's wearing, it looks more like the kind of backpack that like an exterminator would wear <laughs> like or or maybe like uh or like we have one of one of these at my work like one of those things um like disinfectant sprayers that a lot of places use uh now with with covid and stuff i, I look i'm not saying i know what a flamethrower should look like but it doesn't look like uh, i don't i don't know that that's how a flamethrower should look uh, as i think <laughs> I, was gonna, I think that he was like uh, one of the guys that was trying to steal gasoline in Florida, and like he was like they brought in for this movie, and then they would just like happen to be gas in his in his little pack thing. Oh my god, I'm so glad that is exactly what I was about to say, Matt. I was about to say like as we record this, there's like this like gas shortage going on down south, and it looked like yeah, we've seen like pictures of people putting gas into like garbage bags, and it looked like he strapped one of those to his back and then just ran a garden hose to it. Like that was his flamethrower. And uh, you know, I don't know if. I, it uh, like the the actual flame is CG, which I mean is is to be expected. Like, it, right. even, but the he, moment of but the moment <laughs> of him using the flamethrower and just like shooting it in all, every direction, that was amazing. Yeah, you have a fairly lengthy shot of like a close up of him, and it looks like they're just like, okay, just pretend you're shooting whatever, and like he's he's just kind of like spazzing out like <laughs> like kind of waving this flamethrower around and it lasts for like a good 10 seconds or so and then and then just out <laughs> and then kind of just out of nowhere abraham it, it just cuts to him like stepping on him and uh <laughs> if you, i'm sure you can find the scene on youtube or whatever but uh it's way more wild than we're probably making it sound it's it it's it's an amazing moment. Um, he even has like a, bit, a good bit of dialogue before that too, when he's like talking to the other soldier, and they're like, he's like, uh, "What uh, you know? What are these things?" And the guy's like, "It doesn't really matter." He's like, "Yeah, you're right. As long as they burn, right?" And, it's just like, <laughs> <laughs> and that's when that that's when that other soldier just says like, "What?" He's like, "What if we see those two uh, female scientists?" He's just like, "Well, we'll just kill them." <laughs> <It's> like, <"What?" laughs> Um, um, in that scene, guys, uh, I, I I can't imagine neither of you, at least one of you, had to think this. In that scene, uh, Abraham versus the military. There's a moment where Abraham picks up on the soldiers and like breaks them in half. Did you guys think that was a King Kong Lives homage? Uh, I, I I the thought of King Kong Lives crossed my mind as far as it being an intentional homage. I'm not really sure. <laughs> <laughs> 
I feel they they I I I think it's probably more likely that they probably just had like an animation of that <laughs> ape doing that. And they were just like, "Okay, what can we put in his his hands?" Um but uh no, that that whole sequence is that that might be like the highlight of the movie. That's that's way up there for me. More more than the final fight? Oh, the fi- <laughs> The yeah. final fight is is great. Um because uh you can tell like I mean the, this you know when they make these movies you know it's always before the the uh you know the actual movie that it's kind of cashing in on or exploiting comes out but there's that one part where you can you can tell they were trying to recreate that uh part that's in all the Godzilla vs Kong trailers where he's you know he punches Godzilla in the face um they they do that shot like almost exactly. It's just like in the middle of a uh, of Washington D.C. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then the the fight. It's not that long, but uh, and spoiler alert. Um, the the way Abraham just like nonchalantly snaps <laughs> the Gila monster's <laughs> neck and it just kind of falls to the ground made that that made me uh, laugh too i had i had no idea that's what happened when it happened yeah, and, like it was when, like he was going to put his hand on his shoulder like in like to hug him almost and then like yeah. his neck just like <laughs> yeah like until they said like they that the fight was over i was like i did not know that that's and i could I rewound it and had to like watch it again and be like oh like it's just so quick and just the yeah, the fight in general, just the two it's just the two of them like basically standing in spot in one spot next to that uh parking garage and kind of like batting at each other. Uh but the part that I love the most, like that whole fight scene is hilarious. But my to me the highlight of the movie is um and again we're getting into spoilers here, sorry, but Eva, the Russian lady's uh, sacrifice with the, the helicopter <laughs> is definitely my favorite scene in the entire movie. For so many reasons. First of all, there's the fact that she just like, you know, so she's like kind of um she's somewhat betrayed Murphy by um, injecting Abraham with like more of this liquid and making him grow even more, which you, you know, she's doing it for like what she thought was the right reasons, but well, well she, she, she does it because the, the virus that made, made the monsters grow is it's, it's an alien life form mm-hmm. and she wants to preserve it for science right. or whatever. Um, so she's like on the outs of Murphy and then she decides to like, you know, come back and try to save the day. And for so she just somehow like I, she's able to just patch into the exact same frequency they're all using again and like talk to Murphy and just basically like ask for forgiveness and murphy's like there's nothing you know i don't there's nothing to be forgiven for and she's just like that's all i needed to hear and then like and then just like murphy just like instantly like figures out what she's doing and looks like so happy with it like just like oh that's so great that she's about to like kill herself and she just like rams the helicopter into the gil monster which does nothing by the way like it doesn't change anything <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like the most useless pointless sacrifice it doesn't even time. like distract him for a little bit or anything <laughs> and and uh that whole the fight scene is also uh, preceded by one of my favorite asylum cliches, and that's when Murphy's assistant—I don't remember exactly what he's doing—but he's he's getting something out of the car or something. I don't remember what he's doing. Um, but you like they keep showing him, like they keep cutting back to him, and he's kind of like off in the distance a little bit. And whenever the asylum does that. <laughs> i know trevor trevor knows exactly what i'm talking about whenever the asylum does that it usually means some like cg monster or something is gonna come out of nowhere out of the side of the frame and eat them 
And and I and <laughs> the second I saw this guy and he's like f- kind of far away from the camera, I was like, oh, he's <laughs> he's gonna get eaten. And sure enough, sure enough, he did. Is that what you thought I was gonna say, Trev? Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. that's that's <laughs> an asylum staple. Like, <laughs> so. And and keep in mind, this is all while they're like, there's aliens coming to Earth. <laughs> I was going to bring that up next. Uh, what, okay, so we we mentioned aliens like a few times, and the reason we haven't talked about them very much is because, well, they're really not in the movie a ton. But there's a whole subplot about this like beacon thing that like, I guess, controls the monsters and points them towards the city, and the, apparently they can tell what percentage of control the aliens have of the monster. It's like your, you know, iPhone battery dying or something. <laughs> yeah, well, I, don't, why, I don't know how they can tell that, but... <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. But, like, that's... The, the thrust of the aliens, I, I think they say they're, they're going to use them to conquer Earth, like, city by city or something. I don't know. But, like, the, the reason... But the weird... Go ahead. No, you go ahead, man. Sorry. I was going to say, like the, I think what they're trying to do with that, uh, there's like a beacon that is going to disrupt the control of the monsters and then allow uh, Abraham to basically fend off the Gila monster because for whatever reason the Gila monster is like more susceptible or something to to the alien control. Yeah, they don't tell us why that is. No, but... they well, no, they do. It's because it's because he was injected with it, like oh, Render's and, bloodstream. Yeah, yeah. And the other one drank it. Yeah. But uh, but okay, that's what. So that leads to my next point because I, I now far be it for me to question the logic of the ape versus monster screenplay, <laughs> but the movie tells us that like yeah, so apparently the aliens' plan is to use this liquid to then control these you know monsters and have them destroy cities. However, I will point out that Abraham only is the size he is because Eva put more of the liquid in him, which the aliens could not have predicted would happen. And the Gila monster just drinks some like in a puddle in the desert. So it's not like <laughs> that, you know, this doesn't really make any sense into their overall plot. Like, it's not like they were, they had this plan that these two monsters would be of this size and heading towards Washington, DC. I, eh, well, whatever. And well, I, well, I, I I'm yeah. still not exactly sure what the aliens were like doing. Uh, I think they had stock footage of the alien space. Yeah. Uh, the, yeah. The, the flying stop. Like, well, we could just, well, and this, and that brings me to the thing I brought up earlier is like the resolution of the alien threat. Like, Oh, the monsters are not under our control and one of them's dead. So we're, we're just leaving now. Like that's <laughs> the <laughs> shot of the shot of them just like flying away. Like, Oh, <laughs> you know, well, I love when you like my, one of my, one of the favorite things about watching an asylum movie is like, yeah. What are the, what do they clearly have just sitting around and like, what footage can they use that they'll just plop, plop it in some way? Like this in this one too, the fact that the probe at the beginning like flies by the International Space Station, and then they have a moment where they cut back to the International Space Station. You hear the astronauts in it talking, but they never cut to them in there talking. They just show us like a stationary shot of the International Space Station and dub over some astronauts talking. It's like, oh, okay, so they just had a shot of it, and they're like, yeah, we can put that in for some extra production value. You know what? Uh, <laughs> um. I'm not 100% sure. It might have been the same guy that we were talking about, um, the guard guy that that was by the by the probe. I'm not sure if it's him. It might have been someone later. But um, th- there is a part where... Uh, it might be one of the soldiers uh, later on, like right before that flamethrower scene. It's one or the other, I think. But uh, there's a part where, where a guy is standing by... 
uh, like he, 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 he's standing by like one of those puddles. I think it is one of the soldiers, um, from the, the flamethrower scene, but the, there's like a big puddle of that green alien virus goo. Um, and, and he reaches down to like put his hand in it and someone's like, no, 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 don't touch that. But like, why, <laughs> like what, why was he doing that? Would you do <laughs> he went that? To the, <laughs> he went. He went to like the same institute of science uh, or school that those guys from Prometheus the, the, went to. <laughs> yeah, the Prometheus guys. <laughs> but yeah, it's like, what is this guy doing? You know, what we haven't talked about yet was all the stuff from uh, Godzilla versus Kong. Like they're very clearly mimicking the opening credits from the MonsterVerse. Oh yeah, the, we even the... get Godzilla's <laughs> roar in the movie. Like God, they they take Godzilla's roar and they put it in the, the Asylum movie, which I thought. Like that's gonna. Uh, yeah, is that even allowed? Like, <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't think it's allowed, but I don't know if anyone's gonna care enough to do anything about yeah. it. It's weird because yeah, it's only it's one part where they reuse Godzilla's roar, and it's it's towards the end, and like it almost sounds like that. Like it starts, and I, there's not much music, and then as the roar goes on, the music gets kind of louder, almost as if like the sound engineer or whatever is like yeah i better like <laughs> cover this up with some 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 music um oh and then yeah when when i started the movie and i saw the opening credits are like you know it, it's like all that old timey kind of like stock footage of military um like weapons and experiments and bombs and stuff like that like the the monster the monsterverse movie i think king of the monsters is the only one that doesn't do it <clears throat> but yeah, when it opened with that, I was I just was like, oh man, I'm in for, we're in for a ride here. Well, there's a couple things where, like, and I think this is what Matt was alluding to, where I don't know when they like finished filming this, but there's a there's definitely a few things where I think that were probably hurriedly added in after they actually saw Godzilla vs Kong, like in the last few weeks, you know, and and like that last shot of the movie is definitely like <laughs> that was. Yeah. I mean, I'd be very shocked if that was not like a late addition, and even the fact that it's just like it's so brief, right? Like it, it's that shot shows up, and you're like, you're just starting to think, oh, that's kind of like the last shot. Oh, oh, never mind, the credits are on. <laughs> like it's like it's like just over instantly. But yeah, well, yeah, the whole uh, I guess I I don't know. I guess I'll call it the epilogue because it's like after the big battle and. You know the the Gila monster is dead. Um, it goes to Eric Roberts and uh, the 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 Southern General, and and they're they're just it's just the two of them talking uh, before Murphy and her dad come in, and they're like, yeah, it's a good thing that uh, you know everyone's safe and whatever, and. Um, and then, yeah, Murphy and her dad come in, and, and she's like, what What about Abraham? What's going to happen to Abraham? And um, she thinks they're going to, like, kill him or something. And, and they're like, oh, we've relocated him to, a, a, like, a nature reserve or something in, in, in New Mexico, and you'll be in charge of studying him, and, you know, you, you, you can do it with your dad, and her and her dad are, like, reunited now, and, um, so it's just this, it's, it's basically them saying, like, here's all the stuff we couldn't afford to film, <laughs> and, and, um, <clears throat> and then, yeah, so, you know, they, they give us the, 
they kind of just explain the ending. <laughs> uh, what that happened final off scene screen. had my only like legitimate shock when I was watching the movie. I almost like sat up in my like chair, like just like, oh my god, I can't believe it. And that was um, during one shot. Eric Roberts walks into frame with one of the other actors. And I couldn't believe it. I was like, I think that was the only shot in the movie where he's like actually in frame with another actor. And I was like, oh my God. Like, I couldn't believe that he was actually on set with like one of the other actors. Because I thought for sure, like, they just was, only like only had him by himself. Uh, that and I was, was like, probably the guy that was like showing him to where his room was going to be for the rest of the day. And they just caught it on film. Like, <laughs> um, So yeah, then they, they, they cut to Abraham on a, like a cliff you know, pounding his chest. It's, it lasts for like two seconds and then it just goes to credits. And yeah, it's very similar to, you know, the last shot of Godzilla versus Kong where Kong is like swinging around the hollow earth and he lands on a mountain and he's all triumphant and stuff. But this only lasts like a second. And also they say he's at a, at a nature reserve and then they go to, they show him on like the Grand Canyon or something. <laughs> he's like on a cliff. Yeah. That, that's no res- <laughs> that's no reserve <laughs> uh so, so no ape versus monster oh uh, i'm looking at um so apparently all the russian characters are named after famous soviet filmmakers um like lev kuleshov uh Vselivod Podovkin, I don't know that one. And then uh, Sergei Eisenstein, uh, most famously, mm. <laughs> who is uh, one of the pioneers of modern filmmaking and editing techniques. He's often credited as the person that created the montage. Um, and, you know, he, he, you know, finally this man gets some respect. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the finally this man gets his long overdue respect. Um as uh uh you know the the namesake of a character in ape versus monster now I, I before we wrap up i guess i should ask you guys because i feel like um this is this kind of thing you guys should, as the the hosts of a kaiju podcast should talk about um abraham whatever abraham just kind of looks like a giant chimpanzee you know he's poorly really rendered ugly one. though yeah like, it's really bad um, uglier but, than most chimpanzee creatures but i am i was curious to hear your guys thought on the look of the the giant gila monster uh, uh, i like, like it i mean uh, I, yes i understand yeah. it's part I, of yeah a, i thought he looked pretty cool like, yeah I, I yes i understand it's a model that they got it but yeah i mean i thought it was i thought he was pretty cool he he kind yeah. of um we're not we're not saying he's animated well we're just saying he looks, <laughs> like a still frame of him looks cool yeah yeah, yeah no i i mean uh, i would say uh I would I would say for like a you know what's probably like just a cheap model that they they got online it I I think it's actually pretty decently rendered and um and yeah it's it's a cool creature um it's it's definitely more adjacent to something like you know the ninety eight Godzilla or or uh, something like that but he he definitely looks it's it's definitely an eye-catching creature you know i mean if you see a commercial for this or something and you see that you're you know if you're a monster guy you'll probably kind of do a double take and be like wait what's this well whoever like what you say when you see a commercial for it um whoever like cut the trailer for this deserves some kind of award because do you remember when i when i posted the trailer and i was like guys i've it's, am I crazy or does this look like kind of decent, like special effects wise <laughs> yeah, for the asylum? Yeah. And that's because they were very clever in how 
how quickly they cut that trailer. Because then watching the film, I was just like, oh, my God, I can't believe I said that. (laughs) 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 Well, yeah, that's one of those things where, you know, the more some something is on screen, the the faker it can look. You you see that with all kinds of movies, (laughs) not just like asylum movies. Yeah, the the design was pretty. I I thought it was cool, and that's actually Trev. That that's what sold me on the trailer. I'm like, this looks like it could be pretty fun, and it you know, mm-hmm. we got something a little different than that. So yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, uh, especially like mockbuster wise, um, the last few that we watched, um. I think so. There was Monster Island, which was the Godzilla one. And then Trev, remember we watched one they did for the Meg with, with Michael Madsen. Mm-hmm. Like that one was even worse. Pretty, pretty boring. Yeah. yeah. And then um, I remember we were. I don't remember the movie very well, but I do remember we were all, we were all pretty kind of underwhelmed by uh, Sinister Squad. Yeah, I'm trying to remember, like, that was, like, the fairy tale one, right? Yeah, yeah. We watched a few of those fairy tale ones, and, like, one of them was really good, and then, like, one of them was bad. So, Sinister Squad was the, the bad one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, like, as far as that, like, there's non-mockbusters that have been, you know, more fun since, but as far as the actual mockbusters go, this is better than the last few that we've probably watched. Yeah, no, I think, yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I think this one, like I said, it, it wasn't as... It was never as dumb and fun as I wanted it to be, but I mean, it's just fun enough to kind of scrape by. And like I said, I think you just you ha- you have to have the right expectations for approaching any asylum movie. And I think if you've enjoyed any of their stuff in the past, chances are strong that this is one that'll entertain you with the right group of friends or with just like the right kind of um, you know level of brain capacity operating. <laughs> to say, <laughs> yeah, to watch it. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't, I, I don't think I, you're not gonna you're not gonna like regret. Or you are like hate yourself for watching this. It's a fun enough like eighty minutes. Yeah, no, I I, I agree. Um, uh, yeah, I mean like I I'm I don't know how many people <laughs> listening have the the same uh, tenure as asylum viewers as we do, but uh, we've seen so much worse from them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we've, <laughs> we we we've seen better, but I mean this is this is. By no means, you know, if if you are the audience for Asylum movies, you know what to expect from them, like, and especially if you like watching them with a group of friends, like, this is worth your time, I think. Agreed. Um, are, are we doing the ratings now? Is that what we're doing? Yeah, I don't know what a good, uh, what a good metric is for this, uh. Homemade flamethrowers. <laughs> yeah, how many homemade? How many homemade flamethrowers do we give this um, out of five? Um, I guess I'll go first. This is what I. In, well, this is what I hate about like Letterboxd. Like, I, when you watch a movie like this, like it, it, it it's like rating proof, <laughs> you know. Uh, but yeah, for the sake of like the podcast and, you know, when I am on Letterboxd, like I try to kind of reconcile the fact that yes, it's the asylum and, you know, how does that equal out to how it is as a movie? How is it, how it is as an asylum movie and how it is in terms of my own personal enjoyment. And it's like, you got to kind of like throw those things in a blender and like, 
see what comes out. So I guess I would reconcile all that with giving it like a two and a half, but it's like, I don't mean that in like a bad way at all. Like, mm-hmm. uh, if I had to do what uh, our friend Tom likes to do, where he goes into negatives, and it's like, the more negative stars you give it, the more it is, is like, a fun, bad movie, I would probably give it like, a negative three. Um, so it's a negative three, or as a fun, bad movie, or like, a 2.5 is like, how I felt about it, like, as an asylum movie, and how what I got out of it. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you, Bird. I, I think it it does just enough to say like, I, I think p- listeners of our podcast, if if they're if they dig Asylum as it is, like they should check it out. Although I I don't know that I would recommend it for like, just Godzilla fans in general. Right. Um, I, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I could see them actually getting angry. If you did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I I would yeah. say if for Asylum fans, check it out. If you're like a kaiju fan or a godzilla fan it's like you probably won't get much out of it but if you dig asylum movies i mean go for it where are you at trev wait matt didn't give us his rating oh, he just oh said. yeah he did yeah what is your rating matt oh I, I thought i said two and a half my bad my brain like malfunctioned there or something but yeah that's mm-hmm. i'm at a two and a half yeah, I'm actually I'm I'm right there with you guys. I think because of exactly because of how Bird um, put it, and then Matt, you know, uh, you know, added on. It's just um, two and a half is like perfect because it is like on a five point scale, it's right in the middle, and that's kind of how I view it. And like like Bird said, I think the two and a half doesn't adequately represent how entertaining I think it's it is in the right mindset. But uh, if but you have to be honest and say it's not a good movie, and it's not you know it's not necessarily well made or anything. But I also think it knows what it is and. Um, I, I, you know, it's, I'm not going to recommend this to anybody who I think only enjoys real movies. Obviously, this is a movie you recommend <laughs> to a certain kind of, of movie viewer, as as Bird and Bird and Matt just said. I, I think you have to be very careful with this. I think this is a movie that would just um, annoy and anger a lot of people. But those who are willing to, uh, you know, be a little more tongue in cheek with their movie viewing can can have a good time with it. So I think two and a half is is definitely fair. All right, so that's Ape versus Monster. Um, and uh, I don't know what the Asylum has in store for us next, uh, but um, I'm still campaigning for them to do the long-ago-promised but not delivered Mega Shark versus Moby Dick. Yeah, there's, like, the two Asylum projects that I... I still bemoan not getting to this day is that one because you know as you said it's something they talked about and it's never delivered and i still and bert i know this is you agree with this i just can't believe i it's just shocking to me that they never did <laughs> mega sharknado yeah um, i know they're, yeah, they're two biggest franchises that they didn't that they didn't uh, merge them it's just i don't know what they were thinking there but <laughs> yeah, I, I honestly yeah. feel like i i wonder I know they said Sharknado Six was the last one, but I, you gotta wonder how far away we are from them doing like another Sharknado just to try and get some. Because you know the thing is, by the time they got to six, people were done with it. Yeah. But the but the trick to anything like that is right, just go away for a while. Yeah. Well. And, well. Uh, yeah. And and it seems like right right now with I don't know it, it, with them kind of just everything's kind of like up in the air. It seems like we're we're probably around the corner from where it wouldn't be the worst like business decision. To, yeah. to do another Sharknado. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, that was uh, Ape vs. Monster. Um, and uh, yeah, that that was 
that was <laughs> that was something. Um, and uh, so yeah, we'll we'll say good night to everybody and head on out. Thank you for listening to the Kaiju Transmissions podcast. Please take a moment to rate and review us on iTunes, Podbean, and Stitcher. Make sure to subscribe for all the latest episodes. You can also check us out on Twitter at KT underscore podcast. You can check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Kaiju Transmissions. And you can email us at kaijutransmissions at gmail.com if you have any questions or comments. And we will see you next time.